This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. Welcome to Biscuits and Jam from Southern Living. I'm Sid Evans, Editor-in-Chief of Southern Living Magazine. And my guest today is an actress, motivational speaker, and cookbook author who has made a name for herself with inspiring online videos and her vegan spin on classic Southern dishes. Tabitha Brown grew up near Eden, North Carolina, where she loved the outdoors and her grandmother's amazing cakes. But she also dreamed of living in a big city and being on television. She eventually moved to LA to pursue acting and had some success, but her journey to becoming a vegan is what made her a social media phenomenon. Today on the show, Tabitha talks about her spirituality, how she handles the holidays, and the day her daughter came home from school and suggested that she watch a documentary that would change her life. She also shares the story behind her first cookbook, Cooking from the Spirit, easy, delicious, and joyful plant-based inspirations, and why it has no traditional measurements or recipes. All that and more this week on Biscuits and Jam. Tabitha Brown, welcome to Biscuits and Jam. Thank you. I thought we was going to have some Biscuits and Jam, but if (laughs) if I was in person, I'm sure we would get some. (laughs) We'd have to have some vegan biscuits, of course. That's right. That's right. (laughs) I love it. Well, Tabitha, congrats on the new book. I know you must be excited to get it out there. I am. Thank you so much. This is my first cookbook. My first book was inspirational with like 10 recipes throughout, but this is my first ever real cookbook with recipes and pictures, and I'm so excited about it. Well, I love it, and I love the title. It's called Cooking from the Spirit, Easy, Delicious, and Joyful plant-based inspirations. Talk to me about where that title came from. Well, for me, I cook from the spirit, right? I've never been a person who uses measurements. Watching my granny and my mom, it's like, okay, you just put a little bit of that and taste it. Okay, I need a little bit more of this. Like, that's from the spirit. That means I trust myself. And so over the years, when I started cooking on Facebook and doing live streams of cooking, that's what people would always say. Dad never used measurements. She just cook it from her spirit, you know? And I was like, when I have a cookbook, I'm going to name it Cook It From The Spirit. And that's what I did. And I also just want to make it easy for everybody. I tried my best to keep recipes simple, ingredients simple, things that everybody can go to the grocery store and get. Well, it's so interesting to me that it doesn't have any measurements in it. I mean, you just don't see cookbooks like that. But I feel like it's kind of welcoming to people who maybe don't cook a lot and it makes you feel less intimidated. I mean, is that part of what you were thinking? Absolutely. Because the thing about recipes, when they have measurements, that's when you get in your head. For me, that's why I don't bake because you got to measure everything. Okay. Baking ain't in my ministry. All right. But you know what you like to eat. You know what you like to taste. So that's why I say like in the cookbook, you know what, if you know you like garlic, Add you a little bit more, honey. That's your business. You don't have to be exact. 
right? So that's what it's about. It's about encouraging people and also knowing that you don't need a recipe with exact measurements every time you cook. If you do, that means you don't trust yourself. And I want this book to be about you learning to trust yourself, knowing what you love and leaning into that in the kitchen. Well, I love that. And it's very unique. And I think people are going to really love to play with that and try different ways of making the recipes and kind of doing it so that it suits them, you know? Yeah, that's the hope. That is the hope. (laughs) So Tabitha, we'll talk more about the book in a second, but I wanted to ask you about growing up in uh, North Carolina. You're from a town called Eden, which is kind of near the Virginia border. Literally right on the border. Mm -hmm. How would you describe your hometown and what it was like growing up there? It's a small town. So Eden is the city, right? But I grew up in a town called Stoneville. That's where my house was and still is. And it was good country living, right? I grew up with a pond in the neighborhood. And that was when I wasn't vegan, you know, spent a lot of summers fishing and going in the woods and climbing trees and being an explorer. I was always a tomboy growing up. So climbing trees and doing all kinds of things outside with bugs and playing football with the boys in the neighborhood. Like I never, ever liked being in the kitchen. I was like, oh no, I'm not doing that. I'm going outside to play. It was a very small town. So everybody knew each other. It was community. It was family. One thing about a small town though, there was not a lot of opportunity. So I had a very big imagination because I was in this town that didn't offer me much of what I dreamt about doing. And so as much as I loved it, I was always dreaming of living in like a big city. I was like, I got to go to Hollywood or be on TV. I got to go to a big city to do that, you know. But I enjoy my family. I'm very family oriented. When I think about growing up, so many things as though they were very different, they were very much the same with tradition. So like Sundays, you know, you had to go to church, but the same breakfast was served. It was fried apples, biscuits, and fried chicken which is crazy because this is <laughs> biscuits and jam, right? But that's what we ate every Sunday morning. I thought that's what everybody in the world ate on Sundays. <laughs> I did. It's little things like that that make me who I am, you know? So now, of course, I don't have fried chicken, but I fry some mushrooms and I fry some peaches or fried apples and I make canned biscuits because I don't know how to be vegan <laughs> biscuits and I found some good canned ones. But um That's my roots. That's my foundation of living. And my town is still very much so the same. It has grown a little bit, but it's still very much small. And I love it. I live in LA now, but I'm always going to be a North Carolina girl. So you grew up in a house with a lot of Southern food. I mean, that was a big part of your life growing up. Oh, yes, honey. I am from the South and we ate like it. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I ate everything. Some things I probably shouldn't have ate. Okay. (laughs) But yes, I absolutely did. Who was the cook in your family growing up? I know you lost your mom when she was fairly young, but was she mm-hmm. was she a big cook? Oh, yes, yeah, she was a big cook. So my mama and my granny, both really big cooks. My granny was a cook, cook, right? My mama would cook too, but my granny was like people would come to her house to eat. She was also the town baker, crazy enough that I can't bake. My sister was paying attention. I was not. <laughs> And so people would come to her house to buy pies, to buy cakes, and she would sell them by the slices or or whole. She was really a really amazing cook. So was there a specific recipe, a pie or a cake that she was kind of known for? Oh, honey, my granny made uh, red velvet that everybody loved, German chocolate cake, 
and her coconut cake. And then later in life, it's so funny. I remember when this became a thing for her, she made this seven up cake where she would put the seven up soda inside of the pancake. Yeah. <laughs> and it became a crazy, like people wanted this cake. And she made homemade sweet iced tea and homemade lemonade that people would come and buy by the gallons. <laughs> if I can make a little bit of lemonade and I can make a little bit of sweet tea. Still don't taste like my granny's. They would call it muddy water, but it was so good. And I can't get the taste that she had, but she was pretty amazing with that. Tabitha, you are a very spiritual person. Yes. And this comes through in the book and it comes through in everything that you do. And you mentioned church. Talk to me about that and how that was a part of your life growing up and informed who you are. Absolutely. Church is, was foundation for me growing up. It's funny because my mom and daddy, when I was very little, they didn't go to church. But my granny went to church religiously. She was Pentecostal and holiness. So I would get dropped off at her house to go to church. <laughs> Mom and daddy might have went out to the club or some, you know, party, but me and my sister had to get dropped off at my granny house Sunday morning because we had to go to church. So it would start with Sunday school, right? And then service would be after. And that's why I learned music, how it makes you feel. That's why I learned to play the tambourine with my granddaddy. That's my great granddaddy because my granddaddy, my granny husband also did not go to church. He dropped my granny off at the church. Okay. So I spent church revivals all week in the summertime with my granny at church, Bible study on Wednesdays with my granny at church. And church is also where I learned some of my best acting skills because I would imitate all the old ladies. I'd be watching them and how they move and how they talk. And it was the, the best, you know, as a child, you know, you're in church, you remember what they say, right? But you don't really understand your relationship with God when you're that young. So I didn't really find that true relationship until I was older, but my foundation was already laid for me. So I knew about God. I knew that there was a real feeling attached to him, to the spirit, but my relationship and really getting to know him came as an adult. But my childhood, absolutely, my foundation was rooted in church. And you give me a tambourine now, I'll take you on to church. And where we want to go, <laughs> where we want to go see it. <laughs> Uh, I love that that you were into the music as well. And I feel like everyone who grew up in church, the music makes an impression on you, right? Yeah, it does. I mean, I was in a choir. We sang on the fourth Sunday. Every fourth Sunday, you know, we had to wear our black and white. Because you choir, we didn't get robes. And you had to wear black skirt, white top. That was our thing. It's so funny because I was not a singer per se. When I was young, I was afraid to like lead a song. At choir rehearsal, I would always be praying, Lord, please don't let them choose me to lead the song because I don't want to be the leader of the song. I just want to be in the chorus. I ended up going into chorus even in high school and junior high and glee club and just fell in love with performing because to me, that's what it was all about. I was like, oh, this is just like performing, just with music, you know? The other thing you associate church with is food and particularly in the South. Yeah. I mean, what are some of your memories of the, the food that would show up on those Sundays? After church. Honey, after church, we go down into the basement, right? That was our hall. Now, this was way before my vegan days, okay? And of course, you know, you had your ham or like Cornish hens. You had green beans or greens. I always had potato salad, right? And you always ask who made the potato salad because that was always a question. Biscuits or cornbread. 
uh, sliced tomato, sliced cucumbers and onions, a little vinegar, salt and pepper. And that was it. That was how we ate, you know, and sometimes you would probably have fried chicken, things like that. And so that's how I grew up, which is why it's so important for me to explain to people. I went vegan, not because I ain't like how non-vegan food tasted. I have eaten everything, but I went vegan because I wanted to save my life. Like my health was failing me. I know how good all that stuff is. It just stopped agreeing with Tab. <laughs> well, and speaking of other things that are not particularly good for you, you said your first job was working at Taco Bell. Oh, yeah. And your specialty was the nachos bel grande, which I love. Yeah. So what are some things that you learned about food from working at Taco Bell? What I learned, and I didn't learn it while there, I learned it after, right? One of the things was that I learned that that was a real Mexican food. <laughs> I thought it was. That's all we had. And then I got, you know, moved to California and went to a real Mexican restaurant. I was like, oh, that's what guacamole goes to taste like? Guacamole should not come in a pack. Your meat shouldn't come in a big Ziploc bag that it don't have no name on it, right? That's what I learned. But what I did learn is the nachos bill grande, the Mexican pizzas. I remember how how good it tasted, even though it was probably not the best for us. It's fast food. But I was like, I want to recreate that. And it stuck with me all these years when you do things in repetition, honey. It'll still remain in your in your brain because I ain't worked this since I was fifteen. But I can tell you how to lay it. You could still make that nachos bel grande if you had. Listen, to. I can do that and a Mexican pizza, my traditional tacos. That way is you know with lettuce and cheese, and if you want the supreme, it's with sour cream and tomato added. Like I remember that, and I was fifteen. It doesn't go away. So now I still do that at my house, of course, the vegan way. I'll be back with more from Tabitha Brown after the break. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Welcome back to Biscuits and Jam from Southern Living. I'm Sid Evans, and today I'm talking with actress and cookbook author, Tabitha Brown. Tabitha, I know you've answered this question a lot of times, but I want to ask you why you decided to go vegan. And I know it was about your health. You've talked about that a lot. Were there other reasons, or was that really the driving reason for you making that change? Absolutely. It was all about my health at that point, right? I've been sick for a year and seven months. 
months. And I'd been to the doctor over and over, week after week, month after month, test after test, blood work, MRIs, you name it. Any drug they offered me, I tried it because I was desperate to feel better. And nothing was helping. I still felt like I was dying. Had this headache in the back of my head for a year and seven months every day. It never went away. Some days were better than others, but it was constant. I had chronic fatigue. I was exhausted all the time. Fell into depression. It was just so much and I needed answers. I was like, nobody can help me. And so when my daughter came home from school, you know, one day she was like, we watched this documentary at school, mom. I think you should watch it. And I was like, well, let's see what this is about. Cause it ain't every day a teenager come home and tell you to watch a documentary. It was what the hell on Netflix. And we watched it and I was like, I haven't tried this because mind you, I wasn't a bad eater. I stopped eating red meat and pork when I was 15. I have not eaten it since. And I don't eat dairy prior to being vegan. I had found out I was allergic. So I stopped eating dairy. I was only eating fish and chicken and turkey, right? And eggs. But I was eating it on a regular basis, right? Every day. And I thought to myself, well, I have not tried this. And I'm desperate. I'll try anything. So let's try this 30-day vegan challenge, see if anything changes. And after those first 10 days, the headache I had had every day for a year and seven months disappeared. And I was like, my head's not hurting anymore. I got to be on to something like something is happening. And day after day, I just started to feel better. So I get energy again. And I was like, oh, this is about to be my life. I'm not going back. I'm going to be vegan. I just decided to listen to my body, right? I had really made a decision like now you got to listen to your body because our body will tell us what it does not like. It will tell us what it loves. It'll tell us what it doesn't agree with, but we have to listen to it and treat it well. And I realized I hadn't done that for a very long time. So when I made the decision to go vegan, it was absolutely for my health. I've been vegan now for five years and I've learned so much more that's way bigger than me. It's more about Absolutely my health, but the environment, the animals, it makes such a world of difference in so many different ways. Well, I love that your daughter is the one that brought this to you and that kind of set you on this path. But I've got to ask, was it hard for your family to adjust when you made that decision that you were going to commit to going vegan? You know, my family is very spoiled, okay? We did it together for 30 days, right? And then 29th day when I told my husband, I said, I know we're supposed to do 30 days, but I feel amazing. I think this is going to be my life. I'm not going to change. And he was like, that's great, but tomorrow I'm going to eat a piece of chicken, okay? And so I was like, well, that's, that's you. But for the first year, I cooked two meals. I was trying to figure it out. You know, I know he still wanted fish and chicken. I needed to be vegan. So I was cooking a lot of different meals. And I got a little tired. So they didn't miss anything. They didn't have to adjust. It was me having to figure out, like, how can I not overwork myself in this kitchen? So then I decided if I can make my vegan meals just amazing, everybody can eat vegan. And I just started cooking things that I used to cook that weren't vegan, figuring out how to make that vegan. And they loved it. Some days they didn't even know the difference. And now I ain't got to cook two different meals, okay? <laughs> and so they never really had to make an adjustment. It just worked out. I had to make the adjustments. But I also try to remind people, when we go on a journey for ourselves, 
nobody else really matters, right? This is personal. I got to do this for me. Everybody else going to have to figure out they self too, right? So it was all personal for me. Sometimes the journey that will save you, you got to be willing to go alone. And what happens a lot of time in families, when one person has to make health changes and the family is not supportive or they don't understand, it causes the person to revert back to the old habits or old ways, causing them to continue to be sick because they didn't have support. I'm so grateful that my family was supportive, even if they didn't want to eat what I was eating, right? They were still like, we know you're on this journey. And so I always encourage people to know, honey, stay focused on you. Honey, they might talk trash and they might joke about what you eating in the beginning, but eventually they'd be like, well, let me taste a little bit of it, you know? So it'd be all right. You just stay focused on you. That's what I had to do. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to talk about the book a little bit more. So much of this book is about these classic Southern recipes and how you made them vegan. Yes. And it seems like you're trying to kind of reconnect with these dishes that, you know, have a lot of meaning for you. Do you feel like you can help people who feel like they could never give these things up? They could never give up the mac and cheese. They could never <laughs> give up the barbecue, you know? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's what I built my brand on, right? For the last five years in cooking and sharing recipe videos, it was to show people you can still have what you crave. You just swap out some ingredients and make it a little bit better, right? So, you know, things that I grew up loving, my mama made the best meatloaf. That's why I got my mama's meatloaf recipe in the book. My mother-in-law makes a cabbage and sausage that I love. That's like a Southern favorite. A lot of people love a sausage and cabbage. You can still have that. There's options for us, right? Same as lasagna. That's one of my husband's favorite. I used to make lasagna with ground turkey. When I became vegan, I started trying to figure it out. And now my vegan lasagna, he requests that. He never, ever wants it any other way. And I'm like, very good. <laughs> if you make it good, if you just show people you have another option, don't force it on anybody. Just show them with love maybe a little bit of humor, right? And they'll be like, what is this crazy girl talking about in this kitchen? Well, that do look all right. Let me give me a little, let's go to the grocery store and get these ingredients, see what Tab's talking about. You know, people are more inclined to try it that way without trying to force it on them. So absolutely, that's my plan. <laughs> so I want to talk about ingredients for a second because so much of this book is about ingredients. And so this interview is going to come out in the fall. and that's pecan season. Okay. Oh, yes. Pecans, as we call them. And yes. Okay. So yeah, everybody, there's a debate on uh, <laughs> you know, how people say it, but whether you say pecan or pecan, uh -huh. it's a thing in the South, right? Yeah. And it's a thing in the fall. Talk to me about that ingredient and some of your favorite dishes to make with pecans. <laughs> All right. So pecans is one of my favorite things. I grew up with them, cracking them open, sitting on the porch with my granny. But when I first became vegan, I saw so many walnut recipes for meat. I have a very small allergy to walnuts. I can eat them, but they make me a little itchy. So I probably shouldn't do that listening to my body. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to use pecans and I'm going to make my meat out of pecans, right? So when I was on a raw challenge, I use the pecans, you soak them, you season them, and then you, you use a food processor and blend them. And they really give you 
a meaty look and texture and taste. And that's raw, right? After being soaked. But the great thing about them is you can do the exact same thing instead of just soaking them. You can boil them and boil them in the seasonings, right? And then they're soft. That changes the texture even more so like meat. And I add like peppers and onions and I blend it up, season it, put it in the pan and you saute it up. You can cook it up. So you can use that same meat to make not a raw taco, but a regular taco. You can make spaghetti with it. I use it for your lasagna. And one of my most favorite things you can make chili with it, pecan chili on a carrot dog, okay? That's amazing. It sounds crazy. Even when I say it out my own mouth, it sounds crazy. Pecan chili on a carrot dog. But baby, it's some good eating. I promise you, you be like, oh my God, this is so good. I can't believe that this is good. Girl, this is a carrot and some pecans? Yes, it is. It's very good. <laughs> I love that. I saw the photo in the book and I thought, look at that. I mean, if that doesn't look like a hot dog. Yeah. And the traditional way we do it in North Carolina, you know, you have your chili and you got coleslaw. You know, you put mustard and relish and things like that. But, oh, it's so good. Okay, so let's talk deviled eggs for a second. So there's nothing vegan about a deviled egg. That's right. But you've always loved them. Anyone who grows up in the South grows up around deviled eggs. So what are some memories that deviled eggs conjure up for you? Deviled eggs, listen, they so good. Let me just tell you that. I can still taste my granny's and my mama's deviled eggs. Listen, deviled eggs are so serious in the South. You have a dish that already got the little mark for the eggs. That's how serious it was in my granny and my mama's house. You know the can I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. The eggs go straight in there, right? And so I remember that. I remember when my mama started letting me sprinkle the paprika on there. I remember passing that tradition down to my daughter making deviled eggs with her during the holidays and sitting them out for Christmas Eve for the dinner we had. Like Sundays, deviled eggs was just such a staple in the Southern household. And I remember feeling a little bit sad when I went vegan because I was like, oh my God, I'm never going to be able to have deviled eggs again. For years, I was like, oh my Lord, I'm, I miss a deviled egg, you know? And then one day I had a dream about it. And that I had created a recipe that made a vegan deviled egg. I was like, oh my God, I don't know if this is going to work, but I'm going to try it. And I did a video about it. I was like, y'all had a dream that I made vegan deviled eggs. They're going to be saved eggs. These are going to be angel eggs. <laughs> the Lord's eggs. The first time I did it, I made my mixture a little too runny. And I even told the people, okay, I got to perfect that. But this is absolutely amazing. And I did that thing so many times after that. It is now a staple in my house with mushrooms and chickpeas. People, every time they try it, they're like, my mind, I can't even wrap my mind around what I'm eating right now. It's so good. It's so good. See, you got to try it if you ain't never tried it. Hey, I'm, I'm going to try them. They look good. They look great. I don't know yeah. who took the pictures, but they sure do look good. <laughs> Honey, Matthew took the pictures. He did amazing. So you're from North Carolina, which as we know, is barbecue country. Oh, yeah. And this is one thing that I would think people would find very hard to give up. But I'm wondering if you can tell me about jackfruit and how that can kind of satisfy that barbecue need. Jackfruit. Listen, when I went vegan, people were like, oh, girl, you got to try jackfruit. You got to try jackfruit. And I bought one that was prepackaged, pre-made. I tried it. I said, this is disgusting. I don't know what y'all were talking about. This is nasty. About six months, people kept saying, Tab, you should just try it again, but make it your own way. You cook it. You season it. I was like, oh, I don't know. 
So I said, I'm going to give it another try. We'll go on another date, Jack. I got canned jackfruit, seasoned it, cooked it the way I would cook shredded chicken or something. Instantly, I was like, oh my God, I just had to cook it myself. Jackfruit will take on the season of whatever you flavor it with. It shreds like chicken. It can shred like tuna. It can shred like barbecue, right? And so I make it to do a barbecue. I make barbecue sliders sometimes. My husband loves those with jackfruit and coleslaw, just like we do it in the South, right? Sometimes throw a little pickle on there because that's my business. And my whole family from North Carolina came out a couple of weeks ago for my daddy's birthday. And my uncle, he had never, ever had jackfruit. So I made barbecue jerk jackfruit. He was eating it out of the paint. He was like, <laughs> wait a minute, this is a fruit? He said, if you had never told me, I would have known. He said, I won't go tell nobody that my niece out here saying that she's vegan, but she out here really eating pork jackfruit. He said, I won't go tell on you, but I was watching. But that's how amazing it is as a substitute for pork pork. That's great. So Tabitha, the holidays are coming up and I'm guessing the holidays are a big thing in your family. Talk to me about how you navigate a holiday gathering where not everybody is necessarily vegan. Listen, when they come in here for the holidays, unless they bring in it, everything I cook is vegan. The last couple of years, Thanksgiving has been in my house and I do a full vegan Thanksgiving and people are like, I cannot believe I just ate vegan for Thanksgiving. I have all of the favorites, the candy yams, the mac and cheese, the greens, you know, the dressing. And I'll get a little fake turkeys, right? A little faux turkeys and stuff. But I don't even need that. Sometimes I'll just do mushrooms, right? And Everybody loves it and they don't feel like they miss anything. And I keep the tradition. I keep all the things that you normally would see on a Thanksgiving or a Christmas table for dinner. And people are like, I can't even wrap my mind around the fact that all of this is vegan, right? My deviled eggs is there. My saved eggs is there. Okay. And it's a good time. And I always love to just introduce new things like that to people. And I get excited when they're willing and open to try something new. And I also, if they say, oh, girl, no, I brought my own plate. Okay, you enjoy that. But then they see everybody else eating. They be like, well, let me try a little bit. Uh -uh, Remember, you brought your own plate. I let them have a little bit. (laughs) So, Tabitha, so much of your message has been delivered through food. But there's a much bigger message that you deliver about helping people feel good about themselves Mm -hmm. and confident and happy, talking to them about how to take better care of themselves. And I know you get thousands of messages and comments from people every day, but I'm wondering if there are stories that stand out about people who have really been changed by your message. Oh, wow. You're right. I get thousands. I know so many people have messaged me who were either diabetic, pre-diabetic, who messaged me and said, oh my God, I've been watching your videos and cooking alone for the last two months, three months. I'm no longer a diabetic. I'm not pre-diabetic anymore. I'm off of my medication. I had high blood pressure. I don't have it anymore, right? Those are the stories that bring me to tears, right? And then some people say, you know what, Tab? I have never cooked one of your meals, but I be watching you every day and I feel that my life has changed because of that. I feel happier because of you. I make choices to be happier and more kind to other people. Those are the things that make me know that I'm doing the right thing, that God has placed me on this path, not just for me, 
but for everybody else, like to be a vessel. Because that's what it's all about. We should love each other. We're here to love. We got a heart. That's why we all have a heart. We're meant to love. And in order to love, you got to see people. You got to make them feel seen. You have to hear them. But we have to embrace each other. And that's always my goal. And I pull them in, whether it's with food, whether it's with laughter, whether it's with wisdom, whether it's just with love. That's the goal to bring us together. So um, I hope and pray that I'm always able to affect people or touch people in a positive way and help change their life, whether it's through a meal, whether it's bringing their family back together. Because I get those messages too, where people say, I watch you and your family and y'all be cutting up and it made me, it made me call my dad or it made me call my mom or it made me call my sister to try to fix what we, whatever their issues may have been. Those are the things that make me feel well. That's what it's all about for me. Well, speaking of bringing people together, I just have one more question for you, Tabitha. Mm-hmm. What does it mean to you to be Southern? To be Southern, honey, it means I'm very proud. Honey, I do not conform. I no longer cover my accent. It means I, I embrace and I'm so proud to be from Eden, North Carolina. I'm so proud to be the daughter of Edward Thomas and Patricia Johnson. I am just so proud to be a North Carolina girl. That's who I am. There's no better person than a person from the Carolinas. We just, we, we kind, we love, we embrace, and everybody's invited to the cookout. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope I'm included on that list someday. Yes, Sid, come on over anytime. <laughs> <laughs> well, Tabitha Brown, thanks so much for being on Biscuits and Jam. Thank you so much for having me, Sid. Thanks for listening to my conversation with Tabitha Brown. Make sure to visit IamTabithaBrown.com for more information. Southern Living is based in Birmingham, Alabama. Be sure to follow Biscuits and Jam on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. And we'd love your feedback. If you could rate this podcast and leave us a review, we'd really appreciate it. You can also find us online at SouthernLiving.com slash Biscuits and Jam. Make sure to come back here next week for my conversation with singer, songwriter, and actress, Lainey Wilson.